The Gospel according to Numbers chapter 8. There are four verses of Scripture here that have just been such a blessing to me. I, I don't know how many times I've read the book of Numbers, but it was just reading to get through it. Because that was on the list. And you couldn't stay very long because tomorrow you had more of the list to read. Well, it is a wonder to go through slowly and think about it. I, I think much of the book of Numbers could have that phrase that is, we find, or that word that's found over in the Psalms about stopping and think about it. Selah. Stop and think about it. So let's stop and think about these four verses of Scripture in the eighth chapter of the book of Numbers that share with us some things about the candlestick. About the candlestick. One more time, we hear these words recorded in this wonderful book. We're going to find it many times, several times in this chapter, but many times in this book. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying. Now that you notice that that word Lord is a little different than normally we write it. It's in all caps. Now when we find a, the word Lord in all capital letters, the translators wanted us to know that in the original this was Jehovah. So we have Jehovah speaking to Moses. Now back up one verse of scripture, the last verse of chapter 7. We didn't get to it last week. I just want to read it because this is where Moses heard this word from. It says, And when Moses was gone into the tabernacle of the congregation to speak with him to the Lord, that he heard the voice of one speaking to him from off the mercy seat that was upon the ark of the testimony from between the two cherubims, and he spake unto him. Now this is the Lord speaking. What a wonderful thought to have the Lord Jehovah speaking to him from there. Now, the Lord is the true mercy seat. The Lord is the true tabernacle. The Lord is the true sacrifice. And here we have this wonderful picture, this wonderful type, the shadow of the Lord speaking to his people from a very glorious spot. And it is a very glorious thing that the Lord would speak to his people. That's just beyond measure that he would speak to us. That the God of heaven would speak to a people. And here it is. He's doing this with Moses. And these are the words that he gave to Moses at this particular time. Verse 2 of chapter 8. Speak unto Aaron. I have a message. Now Moses is simply going to be a reporter. He's just going to tell what he heard. He's not going to add to. He's not going to take away. He is going to directly tell and you know, that is truly our only responsibility, is to be a reporter about the Word of God. That's all we are to do. The rest is left up to the Lord. It says here, speak unto Aaron and say unto him, when thou lightest the lamps, the seven lamps shall give light over, it, over against the candlestick. And Aaron did so. He lighted the lamps thereof over against the candlestick as the Lord commanded Moses. And this work of the candlestick was of beaten gold. 
unto the shaft thereof, unto the flowers thereof, was beaten work according to the pattern which the Lord had shown Moses, so he made the candlestick. Now we have a lot of ketchup in this verse of scripture with regard to the candlestick. We have a lot of things said here that we find in other places, but so do we find out with regard to the Lord. There are many things repeated about the Lord and this particular subject about this candlestick. Now, sometimes it's a misnomer to call it a candlestick. We find in our translation that's what it's always called, but it is not a candle. There is no candles up on those arms. They are little pots filled with oil, and that's what's lit. There's a special formula for the oil that would be put in there. So that is what it is, not a candle as we know it. But we're going to find it called a candlestick many times throughout the scriptures. The Lord spoke to Moses saying this, and this is the message that was given. And we find that it is with regard to this candlestick. Now I'd like to read another translation with regard to verse 2. Now listen, when you set up the seven lamps in the lampstand, place them so their light shines in front. Now that's what all those words mean in verse 2. You are going to set up this candlestick so that the lights are not omnidirectional, but there's going to be some way that this light is going to be unidirectional. One way. And it's going to shine out front of it. Now, there's we're going to find a real blessing. We'll get to that in just a moment. Let's, let's finish this other translation. Place them so their light shines in front of the lampstand. There's some way that Levi, or that Aaron, as he set this up and he lit it, he could direct the light. Now, whether there were reflectors behind it, it doesn't tell us. But we do know that this lampstand was made after the pattern that was shown Moses in the mount. There are specific directions about that. In fact, we find in that verse 4 that it shall be beaten gold. Beaten gold. Now, would you turn with me to Exodus chapter 25. Or just keep your finger right here. We're just going to back up a couple of books to the book of Exodus. A lot of cross-reference between Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers. A lot of things that are brought up that have been repeated in the past. And isn't that the truth of the gospel? That it is always repeated. I am very forgetful, even in my best state. So the Lord has made sure that when a gospel preacher preaches, he preaches the gospel to refresh us in the good things of Christ. It also helps us with everyday activities that sometimes turn to be sour. But the gospel is what refreshes us over and over again what the Lord has done for his people. All right, over here in the book of Exodus chapter 25 and verse 31. Exodus chapter 25 and verse 31. Thou shalt make a candlestick, a lampstand, of pure gold. Now you look that word up pure and that's what it means. There is to be no alloy. I have read sometimes that certain amount of gold has to be mixed or a certain amount of alloy has to be mixed with this, my golden ring, my wedding ring, to keep it from being bent all the time. It is so soft that it could be bent. Well, this lampstand is made of pure gold. There is no alloy. 
There is nothing added to it. And it goes on to tell us here in the book of Exodus chapter 25, and there in verse 31, it says, Of beaten work shall the candlestick be made, his shaft and his branches, his bowls, his knobs, and his flowers shall be the same. Now, it's very decorative, but it is purposeful because it has cups at the top that holds this oil. Now, there's three on each side and one up the middle. And in the original language, the word is menorah. So, you know a Hebrew word now. I just found that out. <laughs> menorah is the Hebrew transliteration of the word. And it is a seven-cupped lampstand. It is placed in the holy place in the tabernacle. It has a specific place, and we'll read about that in just a moment. Thou shalt make a candlestick, a lampstand of pure gold, and it will be beaten work. If you'll look with me to Exodus chapter 25 and verse 40, we have this word recorded, Look thou that thou make them after the pattern which was shown thee in the mount. Now, when Moses was on Mount Sinai for those 40 days, and all the other activity that was going on down below, nonsense, idol worship, and all kinds of things were going on, this Jehovah was speaking to Moses, and he gave him a pattern for the tabernacle and every piece of furniture in the tabernacle and every color that was going to be required and every covering that was going to be required. Now, whether he wrote it down or whether God gave him a good mind, I don't know. But when he came off of that mount, he was able to share with the craftsman what he'd seen in the mount. And we find in the book of Hebrews that what he saw in the mount was heavenly. And what he has down here is earthly. It's a picture. It's a type and a shadow. Now, it just filled in a whole bunch for me when I heard that verse of scripture read this morning from the book of Matthew about whether disciples asked, why do you constantly speak in parables? And the Lord answered them and said, it is for you to know the blessings of the kingdom of heaven, but it's not given to them. Now, over in the Old Testament, we have parable after parable after parable after parable. We have pictures, types, and shadows. And there were people there that understood what it meant. And there were people there that just saw a building. They just saw boards. They just saw and never saw what it is. Now, what a blessing it is to have the Lord Jesus reveal all of this to those two on the road to Emmaus. And you and I can be the third and the fourth to have all the Old Testament revealed to us as the Lord did there. And he didn't talk about a physical tabernacle. He talked about the spiritual tabernacle himself. And all that shed blood was shed blood that pictured him. And he could do it once. It took all those to do it to picture it. Well, as we move on, we find that there's going to be a pattern that's made. Go back with me to the book of Numbers, if you would, chapter 8 and verse 4. And it tells us about this, this candlestick, this lampstand. When I was on our, Nancy and I were on our trip, we were in Rome. And we had a wonderful uh, tour director, tour leader. And she brought up some things that had often been uh, brought up. Where is the menorah? Where is the original menorah? Well, there are a bunch of people in Rome that are descendants of Abraham in the flesh that believe that that menorah is in the papal city. It's in the Vatican. 
It's not in the Vatican. It was destroyed by the Babylonian king when he overthrew the original temple. It was never placed back in it. But it was beautiful. It To think for a moment that a man could take a lump of pure gold and it means to make, when it was beaten, out of one lump. They did not take multiple pieces of gold and weld them together. This person, given such craftsmanship, was able to produce out of one lump of gold this seven-lamped candlestick. Out of one lump of gold, in such glory, the cups, the flowers, the knops, the... Everything was out of one lump. And we find that it is so pictorial that Jesus Christ is of one glory. He has one glory, and that is the glory of God. And he came, and he is the light of the world. He's the only light that will ever shine in people's hearts to their salvation. It goes on to tell us here in this, there, this work of the candlestick, verse 4, was a beaten gold. Unto the shaft thereof, unto the flowers thereof, was the beaten work. And this means to be taken to a hammer. Well, this just really reminds me of what we find over in the 53rd chapter of the book of Isaiah. All our salvation depends on Jesus Christ becoming our substitute. And Jesus Christ being the able one to pay the price for the salvation, the price that was owed to God, the price that God's lost sheep owed to God is paid for by the Lord Jesus Christ. This is that word beaten. It is hammered. It is bruised. We read in the 53rd chapter of the book of Isaiah, he was smitten of God. Who was holding the hammer? God was holding the hammer. Who was the hammer tended to? The Son of God. That's who was beaten. God Beat him, if you please, because of the sin that, uh, that his people, of his people that was imputed to him. He was smitten of God. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. He and it pleased the Lord to bruise, bruise him. And he made his soul an offering for sin. God the Father used the hammer of his justice on this pure gold glory of his son and put him in a condition that he said it is finished and gave up the ghost and all the sins of all his people were put as far as the east is from the west what a glorious act of God now it doesn't matter how much religion forgives the Romans or the Jews it was God that beat him Everything that happened to the Lord Jesus Christ on that day or throughout his entire life was pre-planned before the foundation of the world and carried out to the very last inch. Just everything was fulfilled by the Lord Jesus Christ. This work may be considered from two parts, Godward and to us. You know, to God, the cross work of Christ was propitiation. Somebody must pay if people are going to be set free. There must be a debt paid. Over in the book of 1 John, chapter 2 and verse 2, it says, 
He's not only a propitiation for our sin, but for the sin of the whole world. Now, when we understand what the word propitiation means, we find out it is impossible for anybody that has ever on the left-hand side, and here's the words of the king, say, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity, I never knew you, into the pit. It is impossible for them to the Lord Jesus Christ ever paid their sin debt. Propitiation is security. Propitiation is absolute payment. You know, we would have a problem if one of us owed a terrible debt and somebody came along, unbeknownst to us, and paid that debt and then let us know that it's been paid. And the person that the debt was owed to sent us a bill, a second bill for it. What would we do? Well, we, that debt's been paid. Doesn't matter. You have to pay for it too. You know, God is not one like that. When the debt is paid, it is paid. And when Jesus Christ made a propitiation for his people, and that word means an appeasing of divine wrath. When God's divine wrath was appeased by the blood of his son, it's over. No more. Justice has been paid. And that is no wonder why the Lord Jesus Christ cried from the cross, it is finished. The debt is paid. It's over with. How do we know that? He came out of the tomb. On the third day, he came out of the tomb God was so pleased with the debt that was paid, he welcomed his son back into glory and had him sit down at his right hand. What does that mean for the church? The debt's paid. The debt's paid. Propitiation has been made. So the father has been satisfied and divine justice and holiness has been satisfied. Now to us, what does that mean? It means substitution. You or him. Substitution. The innocent taking the place of the guilty and the just dying for the unjust. That's what it is to us. Someone took my place. And Jesus Christ is the one that took the place of his people. He's the only one that could. He's the only one God would take. He's the only one that God would take and put into that subjection. Man could not pay for it. We can't even pay for our own sins, not for the sins of someone else. We like, we read about in the scriptures, for a good man, even some people would die, but it didn't make him justified. Jesus Christ justified his people in his death. Now, would you go back with me to the book of Numbers, chapter 8, and look at verse 3 with me. Verse 3, oh, the glory of this candlestick, this lampstand. Uh, I've seen pictures, you know, artists' descriptions I've also seen, seen pictures of what heaven's like. I don't think anybody has, a, has any idea. It just can't be described. Well, the beauty of this was just phenomenal. One piece of gold beaten into this beautiful lampstand that was set up in the holy place with two other pieces of furniture. Numbers chapter 8 and verse 3, it says, And Aaron did so. He lighted the lamps thereof over against the candlestick as the Lord commanded. Now he's going to do something with those candles, those lampstands, those knops at the top, the cups. He's going to make them all shine in the same direction. There will be no light behind. 
Now, there might be some reflected light behind, but the initial light is going to be shown across. It has reflectors some way, some means, God purposed that this would take place. Make these lamps not omnidirectional, but unidirectional. I like omnidirectional light sometimes, but sometimes I like unidirectional. One way. And that's what these lampstands did. They were pointed in one direction. Thou shalt command the children of Israel to bring pure olive oil. It's what we read in the book of Exodus, chapter 27 and verse 20. Pure olive oil beaten. How many times do we find that to the scriptures that the things that God recognized had been beaten? Olives to make olive oil. Grain to make bread. All of these things share with, what about grapes? They had to be crushed. All of these things are symbols of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, and what he endured to purchase his people. That Isaiah 12 this morning. Wow. That was an apropos passage of scripture. What he's done. Taken us, oh, at the top of each of these seven branches of the lampstand was cups to hold the oil. Aaron lit these cups of oil and then did one more thing. He directed the light forward. The light was directed across the holy place. Now what was on the other side? It tells us in the book of Exodus chapter 40 and verse 22 that the uh, verse 24, excuse me, the, the candlestick was on the southward side of the holy place, on the southward side. Now, inside of this building, I can't tell you what's north, east, south, and west. I, I wish I could. I think that's north. <laughs> anyway, the candlestick was to be placed on the southward side of the holy place. Now, across that short distance... On the northern side, we find the table of showbread. Now, isn't that interesting? That all of this light from these seven lights were to be cast across to the table of showbread, another piece of furniture, but on that piece of furniture were stacked 12 loaves of bread. And they were not little loaves of bread. When we studied this uh, in the book of Leviticus, we found out that there was two or three pounds of flour in each one of them, maybe more than that. It was a great big loaf of bread that was placed there. Now, it was changed weekly, and we find that David went in there one time unlawfully and ate some of that because he was hungry and gave it to, his, to the other men of his, of his troop. But this light is cast over there on the table of showbread. This light is cast upon the bread of life. Isn't that what the Holy Spirit does? Is the Holy Spirit... Well, let's just read a verse over in the book of John chapter 15. In the book of John chapter 15, we read these words about the Holy Spirit. And these are the words of the Lord Jesus. In John chapter 15 and verse 26. On the south side, we have the candlestick. On the north side, we have the table of showbread. And on just before you went through the veil into the Holy of Holies, there was the golden altar of incense. Three pieces were in this holy place. One piece was in the Holy of Holies. Well, really two. There was the Ark of the Covenant, and then there was the covenant, the mercy seat. 
outside, on the east side, we have the altar, the burnt offerings were placed there. We have the labor where the, the priest washed their hands, became clean before they served the Lord. How the Holy Spirit cleans His people up is His, how He does it. He makes us presentable before God. He gives us sanctification. We don't have any sanctification of our own and we can't appropriate any of our own. It doesn't matter what we do. We cannot meet the sanctification that Christ requires. He is our sanctification. He is our righteousness. He is our salvation. He's everything. Well, here in the book of John chapter 15 and verse 26, we find the Lord mentioning about the Holy Spirit. John chapter 15 and verse 26. It says here, But when the Comforter has come, whom I will send unto you from my Father. Now this is an aspect of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has convicted everyone that has ever been saved. The Holy Spirit has revealed Christ to everyone that's ever been saved. The Holy Spirit gave the new birth to everyone that's been saved. Nobody was saved by those sacrifices in the Old Testament. Abel was saved by the new birth. God gave him the grace. And then he believed and trusted Christ. Well, here in this aspect, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit in a special way. When he has come, he's going to have his mirrors... He's going to have his reflectors. He's going to have all about him pointed in one direction. Because he shares with us here in John chapter 25 and verse 26, Even the Spirit of truth, whom I'll send you from, my, from the Father, even the Spirit of the truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. You know, there's one thing we find in the Bible that the Holy Spirit does not brag about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit brags about Christ. That's his ministry, is to point people to him. Now, when he does that, as the Father does that, then they are honored. The only way a person can honor the Father and honor the Holy Spirit is to honor Christ. We can't do it any other way. Oh, Father, I honor you, but I don't want a thing to do with your son. Oh, Holy Spirit, I honor you, but I don't want a thing to do with the Father or the Son. That is trash. The Scriptures teach us that there is only one way to honor the Father and only one way to honor the Son, and that is to honor, excuse me, the Holy Spirit. There is to honor Jesus Christ the righteous, to have Him as our hope. He is the center of the covenant. God in the purpose of grace before the foundation of the world, He chose a people and had their names written down in the Lamb's book of life. And the Holy Spirit said, I will go and find them and bring the gospel to them, and I will regenerate them. But all of this is dependent upon the act of one member of the Trinity. The Son must lay his life down, a ransom for many. Now they're co-equal, and they work together. But the son's activity, oh my, a beaten son. Here it says, as we read there in, in the book of John chapter 15 and verse uh, 26, he shall testify of me. What does that mean? He's going to turn all the light on the bread of life. That's who people will see when they enter the holy place is all the light is gloriously 
reflected upon Jesus Christ the righteous. He is all important. He is the only Savior. He is the only one that could take care of sin. All of this is glory to the Son. And when we give glory to the Son, we've honored the Father and we've honored the Holy Spirit in the same way. Turn with me back one chapter in the book of John, if you would. Chapter 14 and verse 26. Chapter 14 and verse 26. Here again. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. So as the word went out from the Lord Jesus, and it still goes out, who is the one that is going to reveal Christ in those words? The Holy Spirit. The Lord said here, he shall teach you all things. Well, I'm thankful for good teachers when I needed good teaching when it comes to spiritual things. Gospel preachers have stood in this pulpit and preached us good word. But who was it that opened our eyes, opened our understanding? Who caused us to see what these words meant? The Holy Spirit. He's the one that is going to shine the glorious light of the gospel on the one who is the gospel, the Lord Jesus Christ. It is him that reveals the Son. Turn with me, if you would, a couple of chapters forward into John chapter 16. John chapter 16 and there in verse 13. John chapter 16 and there in verse 13, we read these words. It says, How be it, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. You know, I've had people say, well, the Holy Spirit uh, reveals different things to different people. That is true, but it's all going to be the same truth. I know some preachers that know a lot more about the book of Romans than I could ever figure out. And they, the Lord gave it to them so they could give it to me. I know preachers that have spent time in this book or that subject. And they are glorious preachers in those things. God has revealed them to them. But you know what? When the truth is being spoken, they everyone will agree. There's not going to be a contradiction. Nobody's going to be saying, you have to do this to be saved, and you have to do this to be saved. All of them are going to say, Jesus Christ is the Savior, and he's the only Savior. You must come to him. You must deal with him. Well, I'm thankful that God the Father has already dealt with the Son, and thou, the Spirit of God, allows us to know that in the, in the new birth, and we say, it's all taken care of. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Things have been taken care of. What a revelation. It's all been taken care of. The do is done. The did is now ours. All that stuff we had to do is done. In the book of, uh, oh, let's read on here, verse uh, 13, it says, Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me. Oh, can you just see that light? That seven lampstand. As, Le as Aaron went up there, he says, the instruction is, turn these reflectors over there. And over there is the bread. The bread of life. A picture of the bread of life. The Holy Spirit does his work 
when he reflects the word, reflects all on his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. What did John say to his disciples as he's led by the Holy Spirit? Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And you know what his disciples did? They deserted him. Isn't that sad? No, he was happy. Go join him. Go join him. How glorious it was for John to see his disciples go join him. And that's what the Holy Spirit does for us. Go join him. In verse 14 of that, it says, He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. I'll give him. He'll reflect. He'll let you know. This is it. He shall testify of the bread of life, the true blessing of all types and shadows and pictures of every piece of the tabernacle, of every sacrifice that was ever offered, they all shall speak of one that would take care of the problem that man has with God, and that is sin. He shall take care of it by the sacrifice of himself. God said a number of times in the Old Testament, he was not pleased with all of those sacrifices, but he was pleased with one sacrifice. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews, chapter 9. As we think about this light that was placed across the holy place, upon the table of showbread, that crushed wheat that was made into the bread that was brought in, great loaves, there's plenty, there's plenty, doesn't run out, plenty of bread there. Here in the book of Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 26, we have these words recorded for us, and we've been here several times recently as we've been studying the book of Hebrews. The sacrifice of himself, the sacrifice of himself. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 26, the scriptures share this, For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Now all that light is turned on the bread of life. He's the one that God hath commanded all men everywhere to believe. You know, I tried that for years, trying to work up enough, and I found out in regeneration, all of that is supplied. All repentance is supplied. If it's my repentance and my belief, it is my works trying to appropriate something from God. But we find that this light was turned on the bread. No man stood in between. No man stood in between the light and the table of showbread. The light shined on the table of showbread. Not a work of ours can appropriate this great salvation, the work of the Lord's. We are called on to believe the report, the gospel report, a Savior that saves, a Redeemer that actually redeems His people from their sin. The Lord declares, it's a done work. Now I know religion says it's a do work, but Christ said it's a done work. Finished. Well, just for in closing, let's turn back to the book of Numbers, chapter 8. 
Just want to read a couple of those verses again. Numbers chapter 8. Couched in here between a great amount of things that went on in chapter 7 and a great amount of things that are going on in chapter 8. After this, we have this glorious picture of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, the meaning of all. What all of this means, this word, this message came from Moses, went to Aaron, Aaron did what he was instructed to do, and this is what he was instructed to do. Speak unto Aaron and say unto him, when thou lightest the lamps, or as that other says, put those reflect, put the light forward, put it forward, put it forward. As the Lord commanded Moses, and this work of the candlestick was a beaten gold unto the shaft thereof and to the flowers thereof was beaten work according to the pattern which the Lord had shown Moses. So he made the candlestick. What a glorious thing. I'm thankful like the brazen uh, serpent. You know, the brazen serpent stayed around for a while. You know what they did with it. <laughs> they turned it into an idol. What would happen if people found that menorah? <gasps> oh my. We're going to have it. I want the real menorah. The real light. I want the real bread. I've mentioned a number of times when we go to a restaurant, we don't eat the menu. Even if it looks like Denny's menu. We don't eat the menu. We're waiting for the food to come. Don't eat the menu. Don't swallow the works. Trust Christ and don't move a muscle. Brother Mike.